Dear friends, hello, hello, hello. Today we have a guest. His name is Karim Benamer, and he's independent philosopher. That is the you know, this is the guest that me and my producer, we were very interested to invite. I think whoever will listen this interview, we will find a lot of questions and a lot of answers. I think that that person, Karim, is very, very modest. And also he looks a little bit like uh, samurai or like Bushido, or I don't know, like, in, you know, very elegant ninja. So let's, let's uh, dear Karim, hello. Thank you so much for coming to Hidden Hero. And um, tell us, please, hello, about your background. Well, my, uh, you, I wanted to be a philosopher as a child. I wanted to ask the great questions about why the world is as it is. And I became an academic philosopher, went to university, studied philosophy, taught philosophy. Um, and then I realized I wanted philosophy to have some impact in the real world. So I decided to leave the university and to start giving my own lectures and workshops. Uh, so there is this, this deep sense of wonder and deep sense of why is the world the way it is. Uh, and I'm now trying to translate that into something more practical. So sometimes practical, sometimes just uh, existential or a little bit crazy or a little bit uh, special. I'm very excited. So let's go to the question number one. Uh, dear Karim, in your opinion, what is the purpose of our lives? And is it, is it all written, as Arabs say, that everything is written, you cannot change anything? Or still we are also the masters and at least something we can change? Maktoub, yes, everything is written. Um, I, I think... I think even I'm not sure if everything is written. I, this is something I don't know. But even if it is written, we can't read it, right? We don't have the knowledge to, even if the book is written, we can't actually read the, the coming pages. So from our perspective, I think we are free. Uh, we have the, the experience of freedom. If you go right or go left, you could have made a different decision. And I think the idea that you're making your own decisions is very important in your life. Now, the good news is that there is a meaning to your life. Uh, and the extra good news is that that meaning is just for you. You have to find it. You have to uh, discover it. You have to experience it. You have to live it. Uh, nobody else can tell you that your life should be about this or should be like that. Uh, I think the experience of being alive is discovering this, you know, this reason for being. Um, but it's not, you know, it's a task, it's a journey, but it's not, um, you know, you can take your time. Maybe it takes you 20 years, 30 years. Um, it, there is no wrong answer. So it's, it's, it's actually quite an exciting trip, if you will. But Karim, how you say you can uh, take a time? Imagine if only a person at the age of 80, he will find out that he's a great artist. It will be very sad to find out it too late. That's why all of us were afraid that we will not find it in time. Yes, yes. I, th I think, well, the, the, you know, the, uh, the mythologist uh, Joseph Campbell, he had this thing about finding your purpose, finding your bliss. And he said one of the, the really bad experiences, lousy experiences in life is if you're trying to get up this ladder, you're trying to be successful in your life and you're getting up the ladder and you're being successful, it's taking you 10, 20, 30 years, and then you realize you put the ladder against the wrong wall, right? You, you got to the top, but you don't want to be there. So I do think that the younger you begin, 
um, the more life you can make your own decisions. But even I would so I would argue if you're 80, uh, you've already lived up to 80. That time is gone. Uh, you know, you don't have to live it again. So even then, if you then decide you want to be an artist at 80, then you, you're all your life that you have to live from 80 onwards, all of it, 100% is still ahead of you. So from your experience, 100% of your life is still the new you. The, the 80% that passed is gone. Um, but, but I also think that we're getting younger and younger in trying to find this. So, you know, perhaps 50 years ago in Europe or in, in developed countries or in, in other countries in the world, you know, when people, when they retired, they had to work and do their duty. And then when they retired, they said, now I'm going to decide what I want to do as for myself, right? Um, but you would wait till you're 65 or 70. And then people started doing it around 40, the, the, the famous midlife crisis, right? You work really hard and then you're 40 and then you realize, what do I want to do with my life? And suddenly you change everything. Uh, and now people are starting to get a midlife crisis at 25, a quarter life crisis. You know, they, they are studying or they're, they're working or they're having their own business or they're starting a family. And then at 25, they say, why do I want to do this? And I actually think that's healthy. It's healthy to go from 65 to 40 to 25. Um, it's great if you start answering that question at 25, then you have a lot of time to, to experience that question. But it's not necessarily an easy question. The reason we call it a midlife crisis is because it's a crisis. I'm sure you didn't have any crisis, Karim, because you said from your childhood you wanted to be a philosopher, which is quite unique uh, in Europe and, for example, in Russia. A lot of people think, oh, philosophers, they're doing nothing. They're just dreaming, you know. And you said, no, I want to answer that question. That means you already were quite brave to answer that. Uh, tell me, please. what. Well, Well, I would say, actually, I had a lot of crises. I've had a lot of midlife crises. I've had at least three or four. Um, This is actually my fourth midlife crisis now this year, because also because of the pandemic, uh, I'm changing what I'm doing. Um, And I think actually, instead of just counting them, saying this is my fourth midlife crisis, I've decided to just be in crisis all the time. It's easier. Then you don't have to count them. You don't have to worry, are you in this crisis or that crisis? Uh, Because I think a crisis is a positive moment. A crisis is a moment where the old things are changing to the new things. There is a, a there is a metamorphosis. You are you are growing, and growing means there is uncertainty. And so now with this this coronavirus pandemic, there is a, a global crisis because the the structures, you know, the traveling everywhere and going skiing and 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 being together in parties and going to football games, all of that is is on hold. And so people are have to ask themselves what is important in my life and what really matters and. and what do we want the world in the next, in the coming years to be like? So also for me to, to leave, you know, to think philosophy is about going to the university and becoming a professor and writing books and then changing and saying, no, that's, you know, I, that's not the real world. I want to, to, to reach people. I want to, to have an effect on people's decisions today, not, you know, in, in 30 years or something like that. That, that, that was also a crisis. Uh- if you touch the topic of um, Corona and um, you said that um, sometimes you can completely change your work because of Corona. In some of the interviews, you mentioned that you can do something completely different. What, what are you meaning by that? Well, sometimes you have to, right? So I think, I think there are some levels of change that we are, we all have to go through levels of change during this pandemic. And, 
the first level is accepting, accepting that, you know, this is really, really different. I think now after nine months, most people have accepted it. But, you know, some people still find it very hard to accept it's going to take another year, even with the vaccine and everything, right? So, so accepting is a way of changing. And then you can either make a small change by shifting things. You can start doing stuff online or you can, you can make a small change in your work. But maybe that's not enough. If you work in the airline industry or in the uh, hospitality industry, you know, a lot of jobs are disappearing. And so your, your life, your work, what you were doing is gone or it's on hold for maybe two years, three years, who knows? So the possibility that you have to reinvent yourself to say, um, this is not the only thing I could do. That's a crisis, right? Your old work life is disappearing and you have to make a new one. And so I think this capacity to, to reinvent yourself, to ask yourself, what is it, what else can I do? And you can do this from a generous perspective to say, what does the world need? You know, this is a crisis. You know, there, there are a lot of people dying. Uh, you know, there's thousands of people a day dying, tens of thousands. There is um, a lot of help is needed. Maybe you can help with your work. Maybe you can help with your, with your means, with your, with your money, if you have some. Maybe you can help with your contacts or your networks. Maybe you can just encourage people who have a difficult time. You know, when there is a, a bad situation, there is, there is a lot of work. So it's, it's perhaps a good idea to shift or to, to rethink, to reframe your, your work. Um, and I, I, I realize that the first time when we have to make a change, we just see the loss. You know, I used to be a pilot. Now I can't fly. I used to have a restaurant. Now I can't open my restaurant. And it seems like the whole world is collapsing and you're going to be sad and you're going to be angry. And why me? And all those emotions, that's good. You know, let them out, have the emotions. It's, it's, it's normal to be angry at the situation, to be sad, to be depressed, perhaps even. But after you've done that, after you've gone the emotion and you want to think a little bit like a philosopher, we think, you know, we're very rational human beings. Uh, then you can start thinking, you know, what's the opportunity here? What, what does the world need or what can I offer or what, what have I always wanted to try? Um, and then you can always go back maybe to your previous life in a few years time. And maybe you don't want to, maybe you're happy with your new life. Who knows? It sounds uh, pessimistic, but very optimistic. I don't know, Karim, how you how you doing that, <laughs> but you put all this pessimism into optimism, which is amazing. And I feel, wow, it's new, it's new opportunities. It's not that terrible. We can find something completely new. And if such a great person as Karim had three, four crises, that means hallelujah, all of us, we can find the way. What is your concept of reframing? You were telling about that. What do you mean by, by reframing? Yes. Um, pessimist, optimist, just a second. Yeah, no, I think, I think I'm a realist. I, I used to be just an optimist. I used to think everything was fantastic. And then now that I'm getting a little bit older myself, I'm becoming a bit more of a realist. I realize some things are really just bad you know you just have to cry and get angry and it's you know just that's fine that's realism but then you can become optimistic afterwards uh, reframing is this idea that we all live in structures with a frame with a way of looking at the world sometimes we call it a paradigm uh, paradigm is a way of looking at the world and doing well And when, when, the reason I use the word frame, th think of glasses, okay? So I have, uh, I have some reading glasses here. So if I put on my glasses, 
I look at the world in a different way. I can see things differently because I'm wearing these glasses. Now you and look like Deepak Chopra. Like who? Deepak Chopra. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Did you did yeah. you realize it in the glasses? Without glasses. Yes. Well, so my frame has changed from from who I was before to Deepak. Yes. So now I'm just going to tell you to breathe and breathe through your nose in one nostril, out the other nostril. I, I don't want to do the accent because that's you can't you can't do that anymore. That's not uh, politically correct to do accents anymore. So um, you know, so so you wear glasses and you you see the world in a certain way because the glasses change what you see, and then you can act in a different way. And if you take these glasses off and you put on a different set of glasses, you will see the world differently. And so the reframing is literally taking off one set of glasses and putting on a different set of glasses. And the the, the real trick is you, you can't actually, I don't have glasses now. I actually have contacts, so I'm still wearing glasses. But um, you always wear glasses if you look at the world. And the glasses come from your culture. They come from your upbringing. Uh, you know, you, you and I both lived in Japan, right? You realize that the way the Japanese people relate, how they talk, what you say is so different from what we used to in the another West, planet. Right? It's aliens. Completely and another planet. By the way, I'm very grateful because, uh, Karim, you will not believe, but this being connected to Japanese people living in Japan and working seven years in Nihon Kaizai Shimbun, Nikkei, Japanese yeah. newspaper, give me now resilience because I know that these people can survive tsunami, earthquake. They are very strong. Yeah, ne? Uh, the Japanese say there's nothing to be done about it, you know. So, um, yeah, you know, let's 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 work together. There's this uh, in the Japan in Japan in Japanese culture. There's these sayings which people repeat, which which are the culture, which is, you know, the it's a bit like maktub, right? It is, you know, there's nothing you can do about reality. Just accept it and do your best, and and. But it's very group based, as you remember, right? The group is more important than the individual. You know, you, you have to adapt yourself to the group, to the group feeling, to the fuinki, to, to whatever, to the atmosphere. Um, so I think a cultural frame, right? A cultural frame, taking one frame and putting on another frame. So I, I lived in Japan for nine years. And uh, just before I left Japan, I had a sabbatical and I went to Brazil. <laughs> I went to Rio de Janeiro, uh, which was a complete, it's, it's literally on the other side of the planet. You have to, to yes. fly 24 hours to get to Rio. It's the exact opposite of the planet of Japan. Did you but also, of course, in Rio de yes, Janeiro? Yes, 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 I was in the samba school oh my God. to 2000. Uh, the um, Salguero is my samba school. Uh, I still have the hat somewhere here. The, of the samba thing yeah so that's that's you have to do that once in your life being a samba parade uh, you could do it in rio but you can also start your own samba parade wherever you wherever you are maybe it's something for kazakhstan you know i can i get a sense that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that is missing here that is missing here i didn't expect it because for me you looks like samurai like you know somebody who is who has a lot of power inside who lo looks like simple elegant but inside there is volcano but now i see of course if you were dancing that's that's the the arabic side you know that's i'm half algerian so the the arabic side is the side where you talk with your arms and you speak like this and you get very close to people you know like this like you know and uh you know i i don't go to algeria very often uh because i live in holland but um when i go to my family here in holland i'm always the loudest one the one who speaks with the arms and always the extrovert And then when I go to my family in Algeria, I'm actually the quietest one. 
they're all like that. And then I realize it's, I used to think it was my personality to be so outgoing. And then I realize it's a cultural trait. You know, people, they're all like that. They all exaggerate all the time. And so, um, but anyway, so to, just to come back to that frame, right? So a frame is, is, a, is, a, is a way of looking at the world. It's a way of then acting in the world, but you can change that frame. And you don't need to change it very often because if you change a frame, it's actually quite fundamental. You, you go deep into what you're doing. Changing your work is, is a reframe. You know, before you used to be a pilot, now you are working as a nurse, for example, or, or you're helping a doctor, or you used to be logistics, uh, logistics for great parties, you know, fantastic uh, buffets and, and, and food. And now you can't do that because of restaurants and you do logistics for, uh, for healthcare or you do logistics for, for something else that the world needs, right? Um, and what I'm trying to do in my lectures and workshops and online courses is, is to help people to make that, that shift, um, you know. And, and the trick really is to make it artificially. If you, if you start thinking like this is a brainstorm and I can think of a new frame, you will think the same thing you were thinking before. And, and so the trick is to find some way to make yourself really uncomfortable. You so mean you can make a, some shocking things. You want to shock a person, yeah? Yes, to, yes. To, to make him feel uncomfortable. Yes. And actually, the, the easiest way to shock people, uh, interestingly enough, is to, to make a joke, um, to make something funny. Because a, a joke is, is a reframe, right? You start saying something and then you, you change. And that, that, is a, that is a reframe when you, when you make a joke. Interesting. Right? Very interesting. Uh, Karim, tell us, please, um, we created Hidden Hero Platform to help people to make their personal brand. Because a lot of people now, they have to make this brand, even if they had, hate technology. But somebody who is isolated in India, Pakistan, or in London, or in Kazakhstan, do you have one, two tips to people? Because you know so much, and you travel so much. And you, as an example of your personal brand yourself, like one, two tips to make a brand. Yes, well, it's very sweet what you say. Actually, all the things that you say are actually almost the opposite. I'm actually terrible at making my own brand. But, but at least I can tell you a little bit about don't do, don't do the things that I do. Do the opposite of what I do and you'll be fine. Um, I, the, the one thing I've learned, but it's taken me 15 years to learn it, is that you, you have to be quite specific about what you do. If you say... Uh, you know, for, you know, for example, I used to do philosophy and I said, I can do this and I can do this scenario thinking and I can do appreciative inquiry. These are all methods of thinking and I can do this. And if you want, I can be an interviewer. I can be a facilitator. Anything you ask, I can do for you. That seems like a great way to start a business because you're going to get a lot of business. But then nobody knows who you are. Nobody knows what your brand is. Nobody knows what you stand for. And they're not going to think of you that they, you're just average. So the, the difficult thing at the beginning is to say, this is what I'm really good at. Uh, there is, a, there is a, a wonderful thinker called Seth Godin, uh, G-O-D-I-N. He has a, a blog and he has uh, podcasts and everything. And he, he, he talks a lot about this. Uh, be world-class at what you do, right? And, and world-class doesn't mean you have to be the best in the world. It just means best in the world of the people who are going to hire you or the people who want to work with you. What is the thing that you're really good at? And just do that and tell people about it. Say to people, if you want this, then I can do that. And if they want somebody else, you say, well, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I can only do this. But if you want, I know somebody who can do it. I can, I can help you find that other person, right? 
Karim, what are you number one? What you are the world class? Where are you the you are only one in the world? What is that? Um, I, I think the best thing for me is to be a speaker. Uh, but this is the shift that I'm making in the lot in this year, actually, because until last year, I was doing a lot of uh, workshops, a lot of facilitating. I was interviewing people um, and I was doing a lot of kind of stuff around the, the content. I was helping people make the shift themselves. But actually, I think the, the, even the books that I've written, they, they started off as recordings. I was recording uh, myself speaking and then I would transcribe the, the, the recording. So the, for me, the, it's always been the voice. It's the speaking, the telling the story, the, the being passionate. You know, sometimes I try to tone down my passion. I try to say, oh, I have to be uh, logical and I have to be serious. And um, people want me to be serious because it's a serious problem they're facing. And then I'm realizing I'm not showing who I really am, that, that passion and that optimism and, and just saying, oh, we could do it differently. That's what people want from me. Then you want Kareem. If you want somebody serious and you're going to talk about the problem with numbers and an accountant, you need somebody else, right? So the thing about your own brand is to is to, is to find that thing that is close to who you are and then to keep telling people about it. And it sounds like silly. It sounds like very, very simple advice. But the interesting thing is most people do the opposite. When they start off, they do the opposite. Um, and also don't be afraid to ask a good price for what you do. You know, the, the other assumption when you start is if I'm cheap, then people will hire me, you know. Uh, but if you're cheap, people oh, think... people like people... luxury, expensive things. Mercedes. Exactly. Rolls Royce, uh, exactly. Dr. Gabbana, I don't know, something beautiful, exactly. nice and tasty. We want to go to yes. nice restaurant. We don't want to go to very cheap one. I'm sorry exactly. to McDonald's or something, but we want to go to a beautiful place. Tell me, yes, please. So, so, but that's, that's important uh, when yeah, people that's start. That's important yeah. and uh, we should yeah. understand it. What is your next online course will be about? Uh, there's two that I'm working on. Uh, one is about money. <laughs> So how does money work? You know, because money is, is really crazy. I mean, money doesn't exist. People think it's gold or there's something in the banks. The banks have money in the banks. That's not true. It's just little numbers. So money is based on trust. So how, how does money work? Uh, I've been doing a little bit of research uh, uh, into that. Uh, and there's maybe another course about philosophy. What is truth? What is reality? Those Those fundamental philosophical questions, but seen as frames, you know, so If you, there's different ways to think about truth. There's different ways to think about reality. And I'm not going to tell you this is the right way. I'm going to just perhaps in, in my course explain to you that there's several ways and you decide which one you want. So that, those are going to be the next online courses. It's very exciting. And as a hidden hero platform, I'm very, very interested to support you, Karim, because I think um, that what you're doing, there should be the bridge between normal people who are not philosophers, but you give us something very important, like reframe. If you're always wearing these black glasses, put pink one. And maybe then if you're at festival in Brazil and you will say, oh my God, what are they doing? This is terrible. Oy, oy, oy. No, you will see, wow, this is beautiful. This is exciting this is unusual and at the same time if you happen to be in japan you will see everybody's gloomy all of them they working so much no you will see wow this is a culture that can help us now when we don't know yeah that and is the, the, the secret about the japanese is that they also really know how to have fun as you know one after work when you start drinking together they can have a lot of fun yeah. and they are they yeah. are you know there's an inside in japan which is very different from the outside 
but but yes no lovely uh, the, the hidden hero i was thinking perhaps everybody is a hidden philosopher you know everybody has a hidden discover your hidden philosopher you your your everybody has a little philosopher inside them and so maybe you can look for it and make it grow and and look at the world like a philosopher not all the time just just you know maybe one hour two hours every week and then uh, maybe your life is 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 exciting that way that is a great advice we will look as a hidden heroes at our life as philosophers and maybe there is already something exciting or maybe we can build something new and it will be my honor and pleasure to tell more people about you because i think it's needed now for the big companies for corporations for companies who care about their teams as you said we should work in the groups not alone and this is what you are teaching explain explaining from the philosophic point of view united arabic culture being algerian dutch culture uh, your experience living in japan and even you have you said that you descended were from russia i think this is yes. a very powerful combination that can be used for the humanity and uh, the more people know about you the more they will benefit so uh, i'm very lucky to have met you and i hope uh, we will be in touch it will be my big pleasure thank you so much for your time karin olga thank you very much for inviting me and and great project with the hidden heroes and uh, wonderful work that you're doing uh, introducing all these people to the world finding them and then introducing them and and great luck with your work and uh, and with your travels and and merry christmas merry christmas thank you so much mm -hmm. all the best thank you bye bye